Welcome to For 10 Points, the best podcast on the web for everything Quiz Bowl related. Whether you're a player, a coach, or just trying to improve, we can help you get better. I'm your host, Ken Romeo, and with me for another school year, as always, is my co-coach, Andrew Turiago. Mr. T, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Uh, it is a brand new school year. I'm back in a brand new room. Uh, still teaching sixth grade. Really liking that. Uh, my kids are great this year. And uh, how about you? How's math going? So far, so good. I, I can't complain. This year, uh, hopefully, is a little bit calmer than last year was, and we get we get back to some sense of uh, some sense of normalcy. I'm looking forward to a good year. It's going to be a good year. It's going to mm-hmm. be a good year this I year. Th- I think so too. And uh, if you want to have a great year this year, we have some tips and tricks. Uh, today we've called this episode starting and strengthening your program whether you are a coach or a faculty member that's interested in starting up quiz bowl uh, whether you're a high schooler that wants to get quiz bowl starting uh, in your your area uh, whether you're a middle school player who uh, has a team that's already started and you just want to add more members and figure out how to make your program as strong as it can be uh, we are going to have lots of tips and tricks for you today uh, that we think are going to be really really helpful for you and these are, uh, you know, tried and true. So, because I'll tell you, Andrew, I've been on the phone with a, a number of people. I've had conversations with people that have asked about how do you start a program, mm-hmm. and I'll talk to anybody, you know. So the people that that have reached out, like I will sit with them and talk to them on the phone for 45 minutes to an hour. I'll answer all their questions, and I, I still will. I, I will still do that. I'll answer your emails. I'll answer your questions. Uh, Ken's phone number is 203. No, 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 no. But you can send an email, if you like, to uh, for 10 points at gmail.com with any questions you have. We're, we won't be giving out Ken's uh, private cell phone number this episode, but stay tuned. But I think it's important to have this as a, uh, a resource that I can point them to. So... You know, I, I think a lot of our episodes, Andrew, have uh, are timeless. Mm-hmm. You know, like just because the scoreboard might be out of date, maybe you're listening to uh, the the latest Quiz Bowl podcast and you're hoping to hear your school be named or, or you, you're, you're hoping to hear yourself named. And then that might be kind of cool. Maybe you're listening to uh, a podcast from a couple years ago, and you're just going to fast forward through that part to get mm-hmm. to, hey, what are they going to talk about? What's the buzz phrase? You know, like this, the, you know th- th- that kind of stuff. I feel like this is going to have uh, some lasting power because there are always players that are looking to start a team. There are always coaches that are looking to start a team. And I think it would just be nice if we have this episode to say, that's the one you should listen to because... All of the ideas are going to be spilled out here. Absolutely. Episode 28 might be our our masterpiece. (laughs) Only took 27 rough drafts. But hey, at least, you know, we have our podcast equipment down. Like, it's a well-oiled machine when it comes to uh, setting up our equipment. Ken was a real wizard. Uh, He took, you know, a dusty soundboard out of a box, and he knew exactly what to do to make it make a lot of screechy sounds. Uh, And, uh, you know, 30 minutes later, we have a podcast up and running. So... Uh, but, you know, that's why they don't give just anyone a podcast. Okay, so you're listening to this episode because you love Quiz Bowl, or maybe you're listening to this episode because you've been referred here, and you are interested in starting a program. Whether you're a player or a coach, you're interested in starting your program. Congratulations. 
Congratulations on starting your Quizwell program. You've done it. The fact that you're listening to this podcast means you have already started. Mm-hmm. You have you you've, you have your your programs uh, at a seed, and we're going to let the seed grow. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> what's your next step? Well, you need more players. You need to recruit. So, if you're if you're a student, grab your friends. Mm-hmm. Grab anybody that's interested in learning things the way you are. And there's a chance, Andrew, that the players that listen to this, those are the ones that are really kind of plugged in. Mm-hmm. You might not find people that are as committed as you as right entrenched. away. Absolutely not. Yeah. And that's okay, too. You just need bodies, mm-hmm. you know? You need four people on each team, and you need a moderator. Okay. So, Mr. T, how do you think students and um, adults can go around recruiting people? So I have a little bit of a tagline that I use when I talk about Quiz Bowl. Um, I say, do you like Jeopardy? Or do you like game shows? And usually I'll get a, you know 90% of the, the crowd to raise their hands. And I'll say something like, Quiz Bowl is just like that, except you get to play on a team of four students against other schools, and you get to hit buzzers. It's really fun. And I find that a, uh, a non-threatening tagline like that uh, is something that can attract a lot of people. Uh, if I say something like, hey, we're going to have Quiz Bowl after school if you just want to come by and hit some buzzers, I think there's a lot more people who would say yes to that uh, first couple uh, practices than saying, hey, we have practice after school. Do you want to come and study? You know, uh, I What I don't lead with is, Hey, the Quiz Bowl students practice every day before and after school for hours and hours and memorize lots of facts and dates and composers and authors. It's basically extra homework every night uh, because I feel like one of my roles at Middlesex is to be the sixth grade ambassador for Quiz Bowl as a sixth grade teacher. Uh, I get a lot of students who are brand new to the school uh, and they maybe don't have any exposure to Quiz Bowl except for the fifth grade tournament that we run. Um, so uh, if if that is the case, if your students don't have any exposure to Quiz Bowl, other than it seems like you're interested in it and it seems like you're, uh, you really want them to be there, then focus on the fun. That's my first piece of advice. So where can you look for players like this? If maybe you have one or two friends, but you want more, or maybe you're a teacher and you might have one or two students in mind, but how do you find the others? Well, if your school has like we have an idea program, which is for gifted students, or if your school has a gifted program, that is a great place to start. These are students that love learning and are, are interested in not just memorizing facts, but making connections to the things they learn. And if you've listened to other podcasts, you've talked about us connecting dots. Mm-hmm. These are your, your dot connectors. So that's where you should start. I would also talk to people, especially in the social studies departments, mm-hmm. the history and geography, because there's so much, so much to be gained from knowing geography. There's geography in every subject. Right. So if you're a teacher, talk to your colleagues and say, hey, I'm starting this club. It's like Jeopardy. Who would you recommend? You're looking for students that, if you can find them, are well-traveled. Students who are well-traveled tend to do better at Quiz Bowl than students who aren't because 
They've connected those dots. They've seen these places in action. You know, the the Louvre isn't just, a, you know, a Wikipedia stop. Mm-hmm. They've been there. They've seen the glass pyramid. They've seen the Mona Lisa. So if if you're asking around, that might be something worth considering. You're not necessarily looking for students with the best grades. Yeah. Because, Mr. T, you've been teaching long enough. You know that sometimes the students that get A's are really good at playing school. Mm-hmm. And that's not a bad thing. I don't want to I don't want to say, you know, like hell, just look at these people who are just book smarts, and I, uh, you know that's kind of that kind of has a, has a negative connotation. But there are students that are really good at playing school. They do their homework, and their homework is nice and organized and exactly what you're looking for. They study what you tell them to study for for the test, and they do really well on the test. And then as soon as the test is over, they've kind of forgotten everything. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they they get hundreds on all their geography quizzes, but they don't. They don't know anything beyond what was on that test. Mm-hmm. For me personally, um, I think that the number one thing that you should look for in students that you want to recruit to your Quizville program and and adults, if you have, you know, uh, definitely are, the only reason that our program works is the, the number of adults, the number of faculty and staff uh, and parents that help us out. And I would say the number one quality of someone who you want in your Quizville program is someone who is excited to be there. That person who will, that person who is excited to be there, who's excited to uh, answer quiz bowl questions, who loves learning, is going to beat out everybody else every single time because that person will show up to their next practice and say, hey, did you see what was happening in the news? Hey, did you see, uh, you know, uh, this book came out and I just read it and now I know about all these emperors. Uh, those qualities of love of learning uh, means that that player is going to practice when other people definitely would not. Uh, and I have seen so many uh, inquisitive and curious sixth graders go to absolute powerhouses by eighth grade uh, that it is it's tough for me to say uh, that a student who doesn't know a lot at the start of sixth grade uh, can't be in the top top echelon of quizbowl players. I think that that love of learning and uh, that excitement to show up and play games is going to bring you a lot further than uh, you know, having some background knowledge. And also think of students, especially if you're, uh, if you're a teacher, think of the students that may kind of be a little nudgy when you are teaching something and they want to like, like, well, actually this, like, oh, well, I, I thought of it this way. And, you know, they're like, they're trying to kind of show off the stuff that they know. Mm-hmm. And, well, that can kind of be a little bit of a turnoff when you're running a classroom and you want to give others the chance to, to think. You know, you don't want students to rob others of the chance to think. That's the kind of person that would be great because they're going to buzz in. Yes, and they're going to show everybody that they know something that in, other people in don't. In Quiz Bowl, there is a great mechanism called powering a question that lets you interrupt everybody and show off what you know. You know who'd be a great quiz ball player? Hermione Granger would, yeah. would have been a great yeah. quiz ball player. Okay. She wasn't just book smart. She wasn't just good at playing school. Mm-hmm. She, you know, made connections and and really kind of learned things deeply. And, and I remember my, my wife pointed out to me that of all of the professors, there was only one that actually appreciated Hermione for who she was, and that was Professor Slughorn. Hmm. He was the only one that appreciated that Hermione you know, had this deep understanding of 
of everything and was uh you know was was, was just a really good student on on top of that so there there might be students that uh you know at your school are currently going unappreciated in the same way that that student who uh you know pulling from that story of the uh the team that won nationals uh a student was sitting in their latin class and the teacher was corrected by another student in the class when they were talking about the reign of certain emperors and he said well actually no that's not correct the textbook is incorrect let me tell you about the real timeline of the emperors and she to her infinite credit turned and talked to her future teammate and was like hey have you ever considered playing quiz bowl if you know stuff like that you'd be really good at it uh and so your players can absolutely recruit as well uh if your players um see see students in their classes uh know people that they think would be really good at quiz bowl, uh, then they can absolutely recruit. And it's important to understand that you're not looking for players that know everything, mm-hmm. right? Good, you know, veteran quiz bowl players know, yeah, you can be a strong generalist, but it's, it's sometimes better if people specialize. So if you have a kid in that Latin class that clearly knows ancient history, Hey, that's that's good. There's a lot of ancient history questions that come up, and there's a chance that if you know that much ancient history, you probably know a little bit about some other kinds of history, or you're interested in learning and expanding. Or maybe it's science class where we're doing chemistry, and this person just wow, you know all of the elements in the periodic table already. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, we might have something for you, and that person might sit out on a mythology question, but you know, one quarter of the packet. Are science questions, and they probably can can contribute on that too. Mm-hmm. So, my question to you, Ken, uh, you know, how many of these uh, recruits that we have are going to survive through the grueling tryouts that we have every year for uh, the kids that want to join Quiz Bowl? You know, we probably have, uh, you know, let's say uh, fifty or sixty hopefuls, and then do we winnow that down to just eight or nine kids that are allowed to play Quiz Bowl, Ken? Yeah. So, if <sighs> Because that's how every other sport does it. So understand something. We do things one way. I have a philosophy. And I'm, I'm a believer in it. But if you are the one who is running your program, whether you're a player or, or an adult, you have to do what works for you. So if you need to keep your group small, I understand. I don't want to do that. I don't want to turn anybody away that's interested in this activity and learning from it and you know reaping the benefits of being in the in the program so we do not whittle anything down we do lose players through attrition over the years it's very common for a sixth grader to come to practice and enjoy it as a sixth grader and then as a seventh grader you know keep coming to practice and then realize those seventh graders realize that other sixth graders and other seventh graders are kind of passing them by Mm -hmm. and they're not going to end up on one of the top teams. And they're like, you know what? I don't want to give up my afternoons. So I'm good. I'm, I'm done. By the time they're in eighth grade, they don't feel like coming anymore. And that's okay. We understand that. And you know what? If they feel like one Thursday, they want to come to practice, they're welcome Mm -hmm. to come to practice then too. We we will never say no Mm -hmm. to people that want to come to quiz bowl practice. But we also, as Andrew said before, we have the luxury of having a lot of coaches. Mm-hmm. So if you have started something at your school that is so popular that you need more help, ask for more help. Mm-hmm. 
I know it is a big commitment. What we do in Middlesex can't be done all over the country. That's because we're crazy. And I've said that before. When people ask, well, how often do you practice? And you know, we tell them twice a day, every day, and sometimes on the weekends. They, they don't like to hear that. But that's because we're crazy. And you know, my wife married into that. So, so she knew what she was signing up for. She knew what she was signing up for when, um, when she married me. So this is, this is the schedule that we've created here. If you can only meet once a week, do it. If you have too many people, there's a chance you can rope another adult in and say, look, I just need you once a week. Here are the questions you're going to ask. Just, you know, read questions for the kids. I, I can tell you, and, you know, we've been doing this for a long time here. We've had dozens of faculty from Middlesex help out with Quiz Bowl in one way or another, all the way from coming to a tournament and reading questions for us through becoming a full-time coach and traveling to Chicago at nationals. So not everybody wants to jump in head first. Not everybody who jumps in head first stays there the whole time. I think we have a lifer with Mr. Triago. I might be wrong. I think we do. I'll say uh, one of the things that I think Mr. Romeo and Mrs. Ivy do really well is uh, I never feel like it is compulsory uh, to show up for every single event. I feel like they're grateful to have whatever help I can offer. And the, the, the outcome of that, uh, is that I try to offer as much as I possibly can. Uh, I know that if I need to miss a tournament or two, or if something comes up, then, you know, I won't make it to practice that day. Uh, but I always try to because I feel appreciated. So I'm, I'm going to speak on that in a second. The, the point I'm trying to make about how many people we've had help the Quiz Bowl team is that it is a really rewarding experience. You know, if you're an adult that works in school, you know how grueling this job can be sometimes. You know how thankless this job can be sometimes. But Quiz Bowl is just the opposite. With Quiz Bowl, when you are talking about your subject, you have a, a captive audience that, that hang on your word because they know, hey, that might help me win a, win a buzzer race. That might help me answer a question. That might help me win a, win a match. There is nothing more gratifying than watching your team get a question on something that you just taught them. Mm-hmm. There is nothing more gratifying. So if you are looking for help, if you're looking, if you're, or if you're a, a player and you're looking for adults to sponsor or to, to be an advisor or to be a coach, you, you can play on that idea that like you will get to see the kids outside of the classroom. You'll get to see them in a competitive environment You'll get to see them learn the important aspects of teamwork and leadership, collaboration in an academic setting. And I am telling you, there is nothing more rewarding 
than seeing them thrive on stuff that you've taught them. I agree. I've, I've had that moment. I remember Iman turning back after getting an obscure, uh, you know, uh, question about, I think it was Ada Lovelace and her father, Lord Byron, and she got it, powered it and she turned back and just, you know, I just knew that, you know, uh, the the third place performance that they had at the nationals was directly because of all the things that all of us had had told them and they really you know absorbed that and really did well um so andrew onto what you were saying before about you know when when you feel like nothing's compulsory okay so again if you're an adult who's running the show if people offer to help if people offer to volunteer Anything they give you is amazing. You you can't make this compulsory. You mm-hmm. can't make them think like, you know, they've they've signed some sort of like, you know, blood oath. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you. there are sports and there are after school activities that people are hesitant to get involved with, for exactly the reason that it is a tremendous amount of effort. For example, to be the track coach or the soccer coach for your school, uh, if you don't show up, then there is no practice. But I think one of the strengths of Quiz Bowl is that if you can show up, if you, you can create that environment where if people can show up, you have things for them to do. They can work with students. They can read questions. Uh, but if they can't, then that's fine. And I think a lot, a lot of people are willing to uh, give more than you'd expect on that basis of this is not compulsory. This is, you know. We just want anything you can offer to the students. And, and I'll tell you, it is frustrating when, you know, we have a program that has 60 players and I have six coaches and, you know, buzzer systems, that's 10 players per buzzer. I'm like, okay, so everything works out perfectly. And then I get a text at two o'clock that day from one of my coaches saying, hey, I have a doctor's appointment today, by the way. I forgot to mention I can't be there. And it's frustrating. It's like, okay, now I have to. I have to adjust on the fly. And honestly, yep, that's, that's what I have to do. I have to adjust on the fly. There's, there, there's nothing to benefit by telling this volunteer coach, like, hey, you really, you really screwed us up by doing this. Like, okay, that's fine. Thanks for letting me know. And then I'll come up with something else. It's, mm-hmm. it's not perfect, but if I, if I can get volunteers 80% of the time, then I'm ecstatic. Absolutely. And I think that a lot of teachers really respond to uh, that experience of, you know, you're, let's say there's a subject area that you're really passionate about, or you're, you talk about, and you know, a lot of students roll their eyes because they're thinking about the quiz that they have in that subject. Like if instead you have an entire classroom of students who are hanging on your every word and taking excellent notes and asking you follow-up questions about uh, which capital is the largest or has the largest population and is in, you know, which region of the area. Uh, that is a great experience because you're like, oh, th- these kids really want all of the knowledge that I can offer them. And obviously that's not something that every single teacher gets in every single class. Uh, I'm looking at you, math teachers. Ken, <laughs> uh, my, my curveball here then would be uh, for those people who have, and they're starting their program and they have, you know, not enough players showing up yet. Um, something I was thinking of really early on, let's say it's super early days 
uh, as much as you've done to establish your program is listen to this podcast. Um, I think that buzzers ASAP as soon as possible uh, is probably the way to go. I think that um, there is a way, it's different for every school district, to swing a set of buzzers as school supplies, whether that means that you and a bunch of other teachers in your content area use them for some sort of you know monthly thing, whether it is uh, something like uh, a spelling bee type deal that your school does with the buzzers one time. It could be some sort of a, a fundraising event. But I think that you do need to have those buzzers and, and get them as soon as possible and then keep them afterward and then you have them. Uh, there's a, there's a, uh, a famous thing about, you know, when people are just starting out with their own business, especially like fix-it businesses and things like that where you're, you know, uh, making repairs, doing carpentry, stuff like that. Uh, the, the types of jobs that they love the best are the ones where someone says, oh, can you fix my back porch? And they go, is there a way for me to bill on this job such that I can get the saw that I need and then come out even because then at the end of the job, I'll have this new saw and I will be able to do more jobs and buzzers are the equivalent of that in quiz bowl. The more sets of buzzers you have, the higher your capacity for students to show up. If you only have one set of buzzers, it may be that the 11th and 12th and 13th student that would show up might feel like there isn't enough room for them. And if you have two or three sets of buzzers, then you are basically planning for that growth to happen. And, you know, buzzers are not cheap. Um, as we always say, buzzers are vital to our success. They are fragile and can... They're expensive. They're expensive. So if, if you are, like, on the fence still, you know, like, well, I don't want to invest $400 in a set of buzzers or even $250 in a set of buzzers, then to start off, I would recommend using an online buzzer system mm -hmm. like buzzin.live or... Koba and just Google online buzzer system. You'll see them. They're free. Just so you, your players get a sense of, okay, let me do something when I know the answer and then mm -hmm. lock everybody else out so I can mm -hmm. give the answer. Their, their first experience using actual buzzers might be at a tournament. True. And if there's a case, if that's the case, then when you go to that local tournament, if you let that other school know, Hey, I, we noticed that you practice on Mondays. We practice on Thursdays. Is there any way that we could borrow your buzzers somehow? Oh, Mr. T, I don't know about that. If 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 a school that was down the road asked to borrow our buzzers once a week, mm. in the spirit of community and good faith, I think you'd have yeah, a hard no, of time. Course, saying of course, of course, I would. Of course, I would. Yeah, <clears throat> of course, I would. In fact, I would invite them to practice with us. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I only because we're trying to drum up interest in Fairfield County. If this were, you know, a place where, if this were like a hotbed of Quiz Bowl, I'd be like, come on, man, get your own buzzer. No, I'd probably still <laughs> let them borrow one of, one of our sets. One we of have, the, one we of have the, a lot of buzzers. One of the ones with some, uh, some, slow, <laughs> some slow lights, you know. Yeah, no, we, we have a lot of buzzers. But, um, no, I think the, the whole idea of what Mr. T is saying is, is that's the next step. After you have players, practice. And, and practice as often as you feel comfortable. If that's once a week, great. Mm -hmm. If it's once every other week because you have other commitments, that's okay too. It's just it's nice to know that there is going to be a dedicated time for Quiz Bowl for your, your players to come and practice. I think uh, my only note on this is I think consistency is incredibly important. 
if your practices are sometimes on Mondays and sometimes on Wednesdays and sometimes on Fridays, that has a, a net dampening effect. Uh, whereas if you say, yep, it's Wednesdays, it's always Wednesdays, we'll always be there, then you will get a lot of, of kids who say, oh, I heard that they were quiz ball on Wednesday, so here I am, it's Wednesday. Um, so try to try to choose a day where there's not already uh, another more academic extracurricular. If there is also soccer or if there's also lacrosse or there's also basketball that day, that's not going to affect you as much as if there is also Model UN or if there's also, you know, debate, uh, debate that chess. day. Chess club. Absolutely. Uh, so you want to you really want to figure out a way to not compete with those other more academic clubs. I'll say when we started this, there really wasn't much. And so we claimed Thursdays. And now when people are coming up with other clubs, there's a robotics club. There was a math club. Mm-hmm. They'll come and ask, like, are you still doing Thursdays? Because they know they want to avoid a mm-hmm. conflict with Quiz Bowl because we don't want to we don't want to make those kids choose ma- yeah yeah, we, yeah don't right? we, choose. we don't want that we want them to do as much as they mm-hmm. they can especially something like model un where i think they're going to learn things there that mm-hmm. can translate into making them yeah. better quiz chess club they just need to know what on passant is and castling and then they're good that's all chess is right yeah it's just those two moves mm-hmm. right that's all, those are my two moves i'm never and i'm undefeated so <laughs> I don't think I've lost a game of chess in about 10 years. When was the last time you played, Mr. T? Uh, so about 11 years ago was the last <laughs> time I played chess. So, you know, undefeated. Um, so uh, the equipment is really important. Getting the buzzers as soon as possible. Um, uh, trying to claim that one day of practice so it won't have a ton of overlap. Um, and I think that communication with parents is really important as well. Uh, quiz bowl can't really happen without supportive parents parents that are willing to drive their students to tournaments parents that are willing to show up on weekends it is it is a, a sacrifice but at the end of the day i i do feel we're asking for a fourth or a fifth of what some of the other sports ask like hockey parents ask any parent who has ever had a, a kid play hockey and what time they have to be at the rink uh, all the gear and equipment that they need with quiz bowl. It's just, Hey, can you drop them off at this tournament? Or, Hey, do you think you can carpool with a few middle schoolers? Do you know what the difference is? Uh, there is uh, hockey in the Olympics. <laughs> is that the difference? There's, there's an off season for hockey. Okay. There's yeah. no off season. There's no off season for quiz bowl. Right. Yeah. That's, that is the difference. And as I tell, they tell the players, at our end of year meeting every year, like one day they'll realize the sacrifice their parents have made. And I hope they come to the conclusion that they're never going to be able to pay them back and they're not supposed to, they're supposed to pay it forward. So, uh, I think next we have a little bit about competing. Just how do you find tournaments? Right. So, so you like, I'm, I'm hoping you have, an idea for players to play with you or play for you. You now know the equipment that you need. And before we get to competing, Mr. T, just how should you run practice? Mm -hmm. We've had uh, conversations about that before on previous Mm -hmm. podcasts. And so I don't want to mention all of that stuff again, but it really can be as simple as you're just reading questions. Yeah. Okay, Absolutely. like start with that. Just start with 
reading questions and having kids buzz in. I think if you're an adult or if you're a student, you could set up a Google Classroom. Uh, you, that's where a, a, you can post a lot of things like sporkles or blue kits or fun quizzes that are, you know, uh, focused on academic topics that are going to come up in Quiz Bowl. I do want to reiterate the focusing on the fun part. I think that uh, with sixth graders or, you know, young middle schoolers, uh, if Quiz Bowl is not a place where they're having fun, then they are much less likely to show up. But at a certain point, the fun in Quiz Bowl starts to be winning and starts to be knowing as much as you can and learning as much as you can. And you just need that early buy-in of uh, having a lot of fun experiences, like reading reading easy, you know, uh, lower-level middle school questions, uh, looking at topics that you feel like students are already familiar with. Uh, I remember when I was in high school, I've told the story before, but the very first time that I went to a quiz bowl practice, I was what uh, some uh, some serious players uh, refer to as seal clubbed, uh, which was I. It was a uh, difficult high school level packet. I knew nothing, and I just listened to twenty straight questions, and then I said, "Well, uh, I guess this isn't for me," and I left. I never showed up again. Um, and I think that you want to try as hard as you can to make sure that your your new players are having a really positive experience. If you look at the amount of onboarding that any game or any sport does where they say, please, we just want people to show up to karate. Please, we just want, if your kid can run and kick, we want them at soccer. The amount, because they know that there is a natural attrition that happens over time. If 100 kids show up, maybe 30 of those kids will eventually go on to play, you know, some form of competitive soccer. So I think in the beginning, you really want to make it as appealing as possible and have as much um, of an interesting and varied practice but part of that is also that Quiz Bowl is inherently fun. Reading packets where the level is appropriate for your students is fun. If they're middle school level packets and your students are in middle school, those packets, God bless NAQT, are written at that level so that those players will probably, by the end of the pyramidal question, again, excellent design, probably have a guess about who the first president of the United States was. So, okay, so Mr. T is talking about packets and NEQT. Again, I'm assuming you're listening to this podcast. You've been referred. If you're not quite sure what we're talking about, uh, NAQT is a company that writes questions and is a great place. We'll talk about them when we talk about competing in a little bit. But they write a lot of the questions for the, um, for the tournaments that Middlesex competes in. And you can purchase questions from them. They're, they're very well written. They're age-appropriate. Mr. T mentioned the phrase pyramidal, which just means that they start out difficult and by the end they get easier. If you're a little hesitant to shell out money for questions like that, I understand, uh, but you can Google quiz bowl question packets and you'll find tons of free versions of quiz bowl questions that are also pyramidal and written in the style of NAQT. There are ones that are specifically for middle school, and I would uh, highly recommend that. If you're a high school player and you're looking to start a high school game, there are plenty more for high school. Yeah. There's easy high school, and then there's tougher yeah. high school. There's, there's websites like QB Reader or Proto Bowl, which uh, will automatically display the question and kind of go through the way that a reader would. Uh, and uh, those, those sorts of programs and those sorts of databases 
uh, where people have just stashed old quiz bowl questions uh, are really, really invaluable. So, uh, and I'm not going to go through what the rules of the what are rules of the, of the match are you can you can look that up easily but i feel like if you are starting a program that is something you should be somewhat familiar mm-hmm. with so that if you are going to run a practice where you're reading questions you're at least getting your players used to toss up and a bonus and your players will get used to what it's like to compete which is the next thing that we're going to talk about when i started this program way back in the aughts Man, it's really been that long ago. <laughs> um, maybe not all the way all the way back then. Um, maybe. Maybe it was 2010. i got to think about it. But when I started this program, we competed in something called the Knowledge Master Open. And that was fun. And then I started thinking about the competitions that I used to do back when I was in middle school. And I bought some questions from... Questions Unlimited, and I started reading those questions to my players. And I was thinking, you know, this is great. Everyone seems to be having fun. You know, we're, I'm getting a decent amount of students, and we're having fun. Then Mrs. Ivy joined, and then we actually got really good. <laughs> our, our students really started, you know, excelling. And, and I thought, we need to take this and do something with it we need to compete now when I was in middle school I grew up in Yonkers New York the quiz bowl was a thing that was run by school it was an interscholastic activity and so the schools in Yonkers would compete against each other and I was wondering if there was anything like that around here and there really wasn't much on the middle school level so I just had the thought like the field of dreams if you build it they will come And so I did. I started a tournament and I threw myself out there and we'll see what works and what doesn't work, but I I hosted a tournament. And we got three teams from Middlesex and five other teams from the area. And we had a small eight-team tournament. I've learned a lot about running tournaments since then. I've gotten a lot better, I like to think. But it was it was great. We competed that day. We had, you know, we had an actual competition, and I know our players really, really enjoyed that experience. And from there, we went on to compete in other states and in nationals and whatever. Maybe by you, there are tournaments that are already in existence, and you can go to the NAQT website and find tournaments in your area or you can go to hsquizbowl.org and you can find their tournament database and find tournaments in your area or maybe not maybe there isn't much maybe you are in uh, kind of an isolated area well there are online tournaments that you can compete in over Mm -hmm. zoom or maybe you can host your own just like I did and ask around to other schools it was a lot of legwork to do that to call other schools and let them know what we were doing. And I think I must have called three dozen schools and got five teams to show up from there. But it was worth it. It was a, it was a worthwhile experience. I'll say I think you need at least one rival. You need at least one other team near you that you can 
get your kids excited about playing against, even if it's on a semi-annual basis, even if you only play against them once or twice a year. Uh, I think that kids need that idea of like, okay, there's someone else out there and they're reading questions too. And they're also practicing and we want to beat them. Um, which I think also kind of galvanizes your team because you, you all want each other to know as much as possible so that then you can work together and beat whoever the other team is. Uh, Carthage must be destroyed. Right, Ken? Cartago Delinda Est. So recruit, practice, compete, rinse and repeat. I want to shout out uh, an interesting thing that came up uh, recently on our uh, SoundCloud. Uh, whether this makes it into the final cut or not is is up to Ken. Uh, but I'd like to shout out some of our listeners uh, who are uh, from some far-flung places here. Uh, we've got listeners from Lexington and Brooklyn and Fort Lauderdale, and thank you very much for listening to our podcast. Uh, but today, I think our main shout out is to our listeners from Germany, specifically Frankfurt, Germany. Uh, I've got to make it out there sometime and, uh, you know, have some Frankfurters. If you, uh, if you want to email in and, and claim that you are the listeners from Germany, uh, we'd love to hear from you at uh, 410points at gmail.com. Is it F-O-R? The number one, 10. The number 10 points uh, at gmail.com. So, thanks for listening. So, uh, if you taken all this advice about how to establish your program and how to grow your program then you probably also want to learn a few things uh, and win a few tournaments and win a few games and to do that you're going to need to uh, power some questions so ken how do they do that with this episode's buzz phrase the guys at for 10 points want to help you answer for 15 points Power a question with this episode's buzz phrase. This episode's buzz phrase comes from the 2015 Delta Burke. This commodity is the first and more powerful of two entities that nickname the period of Brazilian history dominated by Sao Paulo plantation and farming interests in the late 19th and 20th centuries. A common historical tale states that Gabriel de Cleu stole one of these plants and brought it to Martinique in 1720. The question goes on to mention Lloyds of London and the colonial Americans' boycott of tea. What commodity are they looking for? In this case, it's coffee. There are a number of interesting clues in this question, so let's talk about them. First, the two entities that name a Brazilian historical era, that's the coffee milk period. The coffee milk period in Brazil lasted from the late 18th century to the early 20th century. And during this time, coffee production and exportation played a central role in Brazil's economy and society. Brazil became the world's largest coffee producer thanks to favorable climate conditions, vast land availability, and technological advancements. Coffee plantations, or fazendas, dotted the landscape, particularly in the states of Sao Paulo and Minas Gerais, attracting millions of immigrants, both domestic and international, to work in the coffee fields. The period saw the rise of a wealthy coffee elite known as the Coffee Barons, 
who wielded significant political and economic power in the country. However, the coffee milk period also had its downsides. It was marked by labor uh, exploitation as many workers endured grueling conditions leading to labor strikes and protests. Additionally, Brazil's heavy dependence on coffee made its economy vulnerable to fluctuations in international coffee prices, and a crash in the coffee market in the early 20th century had severe economic repercussions. The next clue we'll look at is Gabriel de Clieu. Gabriel de Clieu was a French naval officer and explorer who is credited with introducing coffee to the Caribbean and by extension to the Americas. He's best known for his role in transporting coffee the coffee plant from France to the French colony of Martinique in the Caribbean in the 18th century. In 1723, Gabriel de Clou obtained a coffee plant, specifically an Arabica coffee tree, from the Royal Botanical Garden in Paris. Legend has it that he went to great lengths to protect the precious coffee plants during his voyage to Martinique. He kept the plant in special protective cases and carefully tended to it, even sharing his limited water supply with it during a water shortage on the trip. Upon his arrival in Martinique, Gabriel de Clou planted the coffee tree on the island and it thrived in the Caribbean climate. This single coffee plant is said to have served as the parent for many coffee plantations in the region, helping establish coffee cultivation in the Caribbean and eventually leading to the spread of coffee throughout the Americas. Gabriel de Clou's dedication to preserving and cultivating this coffee plant is often celebrated as a significant moment in the history of coffee cultivation in the New World. Finally, let's address the clue about Lloyd's of London. Lloyd's of London is an insurance company, but insurance is a commodity, uh, isn't, a, isn't a commodity, which is what our question was looking for. Lloyd's of London was founded in the late 17th century and initially gained prominence by providing insurance coverage for various maritime and shipping related activities, including the transportation of coffee. During the 18th and 19th centuries, coffee was a highly valuable commodity in the international trade, and it was transported by ships across the ocean from coffee producing regions to markets around the world. As a result, coffee shipments were subject to uh, to various risks, including damage from storms, piracy, and other hazards of maritime travel. Coffee merchants and traders sought insurance coverage to protect their valuable cargo, and Lloyd's of London became a prominent institution for providing such insurance. So the next time you hear a question looking for a commodity, and you hear about a period in Brazil, or Gabriel de Clou, or Lloyd's of London, then wake up and say, coffee. So I could uh, expresso my love of puns here. Uh, and Ken knows I have a Brazilian, but Ken is looking at me like, been there, done that. So I'll just say thank you for listening to For 10 Points, the best podcast on the web for everything Quiz Bowl related. Whether you're a player, a coach, or just trying to improve, hopefully we have helped you get better. This is Andrew Triago signing off for Ken Romeo. See you all next time, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>